want to say, along with everybody else, thank you for being here today on this cold Sunday morning. But uh, let's get right into the Word of God. And uh, so if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, or you have a phone and you have it on your uh, have the Bible on your phone, you can turn there. I'll talk about it in just a moment. It's found in Revelation 3.20. We are in a series right now talking about if. If is the middle word of life. And so there's a lot about life that God wants us to experience. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many of you are up for some abundant life? Come on. Can I get a good witness out there? So he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we can have the abundant life if, and there's some big ifs in God's word, if there, God has a promise for us, God has, has uh, given us opportunities and, and uh, he, you know, he's opened doors to us and he says, there's, there's things that I want you to experience in life, but there are, to some of God's promises, conditions, and some of those conditions are clearly revealed in the word if. And so we've been talking about the ifs of the Bible. We talked about like uh, the if of revival. You can have revival if, or personal renewal if. We talked the second week about freedom. How many want to be free? Come on. And uh, so if we are struggling with any kind of bondage in our life, there is a way to experience freedom. Jesus said, if you abide in my truth, you'll know the truth. And in that truth, you will be set free. Amen. Uh, then we also have, uh, we talked about last week, the ifs of perseverance. And if you don't give up, if you don't quit, if you don't stop short, you're going you're gonna to see a harvest in your life. So we've been talking about things like that. Today, I want to talk about if you open the door. Would you say that with me? If you open the door, and uh, where we're going to here in a moment is Revelation 3.20, but don't bring it up just yet. Let me just set this up real quick. Jesus wrote some letters to churches in the book of Revelation, and the last church, or the last letter that he sent was to the church at Laodicea. And when Jesus addressed that church, he basically said, he, got, he cut right to the chase. He didn't even say like, I know you got good things going on and whatnot. He didn't, even, he didn't even address that with this particular church. With this church, he just went right into it. He says, ah, he says, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're lukewarm. And he says, you think that you've got it all together and that you have everything that you have need of, but you don't know that you're miserable pitiful, poor, naked, blind. And this, he's talking to his church. He's not talking to people who are living on the outside, people who are, don't belong to him. He's talking to his people. And he says, you think you're good. But Jesus said, I love you, but you've got to repent. And then Jesus says these words to the church in Revelation Chapter 320, if you bring it up there, he says, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door. Now look at those words. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. I want you to look at this in the message translation. Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus says, look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I will come right in and sit down to supper with you. Today, I want to talk to you what I feel like perhaps in this series could be, and I mean this, could be probably the most important of the messages. I want to talk about intimacy with God. I want to talk about a deep, personal, passionate relationship with God. Jesus says, if you open the door, this thing between me and you can go real deep. But if you don't, you can be that Christian that thinks, ah, I'm good, I got my get out of hell card, and you know, I, I, got, I got, everything's really good in my life, but Jesus like, not to me. I want something more than what you're settling for. So I want to talk about intimacy with God and relationship with him. So let's pray right now. Father, thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give me the grace to be able to communicate the word and for every one of us to receive it. I just pray, Lord, that right now we would just, right now, Lord, that we would just settle in and open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. So the word for dine, Jesus says, if you open the door, I will come in and I will dine. And that word, the Greek word for that word dine, literally refers to a leisurely meal, the final meal of the day when at the end of the day, the families and friends would come together and they would sit down at an intimate meal and they, they would lounge and literally eat their food and they would talk and there would just be this, this building up of relationship and interaction with people. One of the my fondest memories about Julie and I and raising our children who by the way, none of them live here in Butte anymore. It's a terrible reality. Uh, but one of my fondest memories was that evening meal every day when we would gather around the table and we would eat food. And as our children were growing up, it was a time that we would talk together, we would laugh together, we would sometimes have come to Jesus meetings together. We would force them to eat food they didn't want to eat. Uh, sometimes there was arguing going on. Sometimes we were solving neighborhood problems with other kids in the neighborhood. But it was a time where we were not just filling our bellies, but we were bonding together as mom and dad and children and family. And then to have that overflow and having friends over and on the occasion and just eating together and, and having that kind of relationship. And this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord's talking about. Jesus says, I want to have that kind of intimacy with you. Where we go deeper than just 
you signed up for Christianity. I'm not, I'm not looking for people who sign up to be Christians. I'm looking for sons and daughters who know me and I know them and we experience a bond of relationship and intimacy that goes way deeper than just saying, I'm a Christian. This is what God wants. He wants intimacy with us. The word, the, the Hebrew word for knowing God is yada, and that word yada speaks of the marital kind of closeness and personal and private intimacy. It's the same word that was used when the Bible said that Adam knew Eve, his wife, in that most personal and intimate way. That's what God wants for us. This is, what the, this is the heart of God for every one of us. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, the Lord says through the prophet, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall yada me. They all shall know me intimately, deeply, privately, personally, from the least of them. To the greatest of them. It doesn't matter who you are. God wants an intimate relationship with you. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? Smash that amen button out there online. I don't know. Is that what you say? I don't even know. Let me tell you something about us as Christians. We can know the mechanics of Christianity and yet not know God intimately. Intimacy is not going to church. Intimacy with God is not loving your neighbor. It's not reading your Bible. It's not saying your bedtime prayer. It's not paying your tithe. All of those things are good things. All of those things have their place in our Christianity and really flow out of a relationship with God but listen, here's what I've come to understand personally. This is my own experience, is that you can be good at the activity of Christianity, but not necessarily be intimately involved in a deep relationship with God. Because it's easy to give your tithe and say, I've done my duty. Well, God doesn't want your tithe without your heart. God doesn't want you just to check off your to-do list as Christians and say, oh, I feel good about my life. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to open the door. Amen. And so, like I said, oftentimes the activities of Christianity can become a replacement to intimacy with God, and that's not what God wants. Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, I'm at the door, I'm knocking. Look at that picture. I mean, Jesus is like, I'm on the outside. I want to be on the in with you. But yet I'm out here, and I'm knocking on the door. I want to go deeper with you. I'm pleading with you to hear me. And if you open the door... Things can go way deeper than what they are right now. And so we can know the Lord intimately if we open the door. I just want to take a moment.
to talk about the obstacles to intimacy. If Christ makes himself so accessible to us, why is it that we close the door or we don't open the door to him? Why is it that in some cases we even resist intimacy? You know, some of us, spiritually speaking, have intimacy issues. Amen. Some of us are hard to get close to. There's barriers that block intimacy with God. And one of those barriers is the barrier of fear. We're afraid to get we're afraid to open the door because fear is an obstacle to walking in relationship with God. For instance, there's the fear that we have sometimes resulting from the shame of some besetting sin in our life that we kind of keep falling into, and so we struggle with this, uh, this you know, w- with the relationship with God because we keep falling on our face and we feel shame, and shame drives a wedge between us and the Lord, not necessarily because He wants that, but because we feel that. So rather than getting close to God, we pull away from the Lord because it's hard, it's hard to get close to someone you think is mad at you and doesn't like you and is upset with you and disappointed at you. And so that's a fear based kind of uh, shame that we carry, which is an obstacle to intimacy with God. Are you tracking me? Look at what, I want, you to, I want you to see what 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says. John writes and he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has, ne- because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect or complete in love. In other words, if you are afraid of God, what you are afraid of is that God, because you messed up, God is out to get you. And he says, you're just tormented by God's upset with me, and you don't understand that God loves you and wants a deep and personal and passionate relationship with you. He doesn't want you to run away from him. Amen. Come on. Can I get a good amen? So fear. There's also the fear of being fully surrendered to God. Some people don't want to get close to God because they're, they're afraid of what he's going to ask them to do. Like, you, I don't know. Do I want to go deeper with the Lord? I don't know. What if he wants me? What if he asked me to do this? What if he asked me to go through this situation? What if he asked me to give up that? Well, if it means a deeper relationship, what do you care? Because God wants to go deeper with you. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? It's so interesting to me how we as Christians can treat God respectfully and casually and yet not know him intimately. And the Lord wants something with you. So that obstacle of fear, there's... That's an obstacle. Here's another obstacle, self-sufficiency. We 
don't have something deeper with the Lord, and Jesus could be on the outside knocking on our heart's door because we don't feel the need to open the door. The Laodicean church was a lukewarm church and indifferent and passionless about God because they said, we've got everything we need. Whatever we need. If we need medicine, we've got medicine. If we need more wealth, we can go out and get more wealth. If we need need comfort, pleasures in our life, there's nothing that that we can't fill in our own life. We we can do it. We are self-sufficient. And they thought they were good. And Jesus said, you're naked, you're poor, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind. We all tend to seem to, we, we tend to wince at self-words like self-indulgent and selfishness and self-centeredness and selfies, you know, you know. We all wince at those words. But when it comes to self-sufficient, that's not such a bad word. That means I'm a strong person. That means... If I need to get anywhere, I'll get there myself. If I need to get anything done, I can do it myself. I don't need you. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I can, if I want, self-sufficient is not such an ugly word to us. But it doesn't set well with Jesus. Amen. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but watch, our sufficiency is from God. You are not sufficient in and of yourself. You need the Lord. Amen. Here's another obstacle to intimacy with God, discontentment. Discontentment is that that tendency that we have to be so preoccupied with life that we don't want to open the door or we don't have time to open the door. The The Laodiceans were obsessed with all their stuff. They had all the wealth. They had all the riches. And if they needed anything, they could go out and get it for themselves. And if they wanted something, they would just go and get it. But the problem about stuff is that stuff will never satisfy And it leaves us in a level of discontentment. And so we get this, but that doesn't fill up the void. So we go after another thing and after another thing. And that's just discontentment on a mad dash after trying to find fulfillment in life. And all that does is distract us from the one that we really need in our life. Because we're so preoccupied with going after more. And this is the American church today. Amen. We're so busy pursuing things that never satisfy that we forsake the only one who can. Jesus said of the people who heard the word among thorns, what were the thorns? He said it was the deceitfulness of riches and wealth and all that this world could give you. And it choked the life right out of you and you missed your opportunity with a deeper relationship with God. First 
Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Here's what Paul said about contentment. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at those words. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's how we flip that up. We get it, we get it mixed up. We say, godliness with great gain makes me content. <laughs> Come on now. I want to be a good person, and I want a lot of good stuff. There's my contentment. But no, the order's screwed up in our thinking. Because it's being a godly man or a woman with a heart after God. Amen? Being content with what I have and who I am and where I'm at in the reality of who I am in Jesus. Now there's your gain. Hallelujah. So these are, these are blockages, barriers, obstacles to going deeper. Fear. Fear of God is mad at me because I mess up. Or fear, I don't know what God wants from me. I'm, I'm afraid of what he might want. Or you, we have that. We have this self-sufficient attitude. I don't need anybody and I don't need God and I can figure it out myself. Or, or just discontentment, never satisfied with this. So I, I miss out on the one that I really need. Those are, there's probably a lot more, but I won't go on with those. But I want to talk about opening the door today. I want to go from the obstacles to intimacy to going to the place. Let's open the door to intimacy. Now, Jesus gives us this idea, this picture. He says, I'm standing and I'm knocking at your heart's door. I love this because he wrote the letter to the church at Laodicea. But if you remember what he said in chapter 3, verse 20, he said, if anyone... Like any one single individual will hear me knocking and calling. He writes to the church at large, but he comes right down to it. He says, I'm talking to you personally. I'm talking to you individually. If you will open the door, I will come in. What does this mean? opening the door to Jesus look like. Now, right here, the temptation for me would be to focus on a to-do list. Let me give you seven things that you have to do to be intimate with Jesus. You know how I am, and I'm not going to stray too far, if you know what I mean. But I don't want to focus so much on a to-do list, because I think you know probably things that you could do and I could do to open up that door to Jesus. But I, so in a roundabout way, what I would rather do today is kind of do like I did last week. Remember last week, if you were here, I talked about not giving up and I talked about people in the Bible and we interviewed some people in the Bible and ask them, why do people give up? Why, do, why are people tempted to give up? Well, I want to kind of do that again today. I want to interview some more. I like interviewing people out of the Bible. They got a lot of good things to say. At least I think these are things they might say. When I get to heaven, if I'm wrong, don't judge me. So, but I want to interview some people. How 
Do you keep the door of intimacy open with the Lord? And I think there's some things that they could say to us. Let's start at the very beginning, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, how do you keep the door of intimacy open? Well, I think they would say, when you mess up, run to God. Don't run away from him. You see, Adam and Eve enjoyed an intimate, personal, private, passionate relationship with God. Every day, God would come and he would walk with them in the cool of the day, spend time with them, love them, pour into them. And they enjoyed this unbroken, unhindered walk with God. Then they messed up. We all mess up. They messed up, and in their shame of messing up, they didn't run to God. They ran and hid away from God. But see, the key to intimacy isn't that you will never mess up. The key to intimacy is that when you do, you get closer to God. You run back to God. You get closer to Him. Stay very close. Draw near to God. James said it like this. Draw near to God. And the moment you begin that step toward Him, He runs at you. Come on. But we are so prone not to do it this way. Because we think that intimacy is in me not messing up. that can't be true see see the picture Adam and Eve they messed up they ran they hid they covered themselves God come notice what God does he still comes up he still comes down or he still shows up he was true to his end of the relationship they were afraid though they went and ran away but God was like hey Where'd you go? To keep the door of intimacy open is when I screw up and I will swing wide that door open and say, Jesus, I need you now more than ever. Come on. Because intimacy with the Lord is staying in proximity with the Lord. Stay very close. How can I stay close if I messed up? Now's the time to get closer than ever. See, in our brain and our thinking, oh, I gotta go back and I gotta grovel, I gotta hide, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta, you know, just beat beat myself up and beat myself down. No, you need to open up that door wider. Amen. Are you with me out there? Amen. So I think Adam and Eve would say, when you mess up, here's how you keep the intimacy alive. Run to God. Don't run away from Him. Moses. Moses, how do you stay intimate with the Lord? I think Moses would say, to meet the demands of life, you got to talk with God every day. Now, 
here's the thing about Moses. You think you're busy. You think you got a lot on your plate. Try to be Moses leading him, oh, I don't know, two, three million Israelites out of a bondage mindset into a promised land through a wilderness journey while at the same time an establishing a kingdom of people, a priesthood of believers, and then dealing with a bunch of whiners on top of it. You think you got it rough. This guy was super busy. He had a lot of stuff on his plate. But here's what the Bible said about Moses. He would walk out to his own tent of meeting where he would meet with the Lord. And the Bible said the presence of God would come down. In fact, I want you to see this in Exodus 33, 11. It says, then inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to his friend. And every day Moses would meet with the presence of God because he was too busy not to get with God. In order to meet all the demands of his life, in order to fulfill all the things that he needed to fulfill, he couldn't put God on the back burner. He needed the Lord more than ever. And you know, when he showed up into that place, the presence of God would come into that room, into that tent, and he would talk with God. And literally the word, he would talk with God. You want to be intimate with the Lord? Set aside time every day of your life. Here's, here's one of your to-do list things. Set aside time every day of your life. Open up God's word because God's word is the spirit of God speaking to us. And then we can talk to him. Prayer is really just dialogue and communication with God where we will talk together. And I want to tell you something. Say, you're busy. Okay? So what? Make time for God and talk to him. You're too busy not to. You want to know how to stay where you need to stay and, and develop and stay in that place of intimacy with God so that after you've met with the Lord, you walk out and you face all of the issues that Moses had to face and dealing with the people that he had to deal with. And, and trying to solve the problems that they had. They had food issues. They had water issues. They had heat issues. They had serpent issues that were biting people and killing them. And this, how did he do that? Because he was in a constant state of intimacy with God. Amen. Come on, smile at me. You guys look a little sad out there. Intimacy. What I'm trying to say is intimacy really grows out of just staying conversational with God. Just, just staying in that place. No matter what's going on. I'm busy. i got so much going on. Put it to the side and get with God. Amen. So, 
How do you keep the door of intimacy open? How do you stay close to the Lord? I think Hannah would say something like this. To be intimate with God, you have to tell God how you really feel. You need to tell God how you really feel. Now, we all, if you don't know the story of Hannah, Hannah was a woman who wanted a child very, very badly. And there was no child coming. And the Bible said that she would meet with the Lord and she was faithful to go to the, to the house of God and she would pray and she would meet with God. And, and the scriptures depict a woman who is just in you know, just hungry for God to move in her life, waiting on, praying about, looking for a child to come. And it didn't happen right away. And it was a painful, long, drawn-out experience where she was having to wait. Anybody here ever had, had to wait? She was honest about her pain. She was transparent. See, I think some of us think that intimacy with God should be easy and without struggle. We think that being intimate with God, I got my act all together and I'm good with everything and everything's good. Wrong. Intimacy with God, can I just tell you, can be ugly and it can be painful. Amen. Sometimes, see, we intimacy isn't about the feeling as much as it is about being real about how you feel. And if we want to stay at a depth of relationship with God, we have to be honest about what we're struggling with. And what we don't like about what we're dealing with. And be true and honest about our feelings and our pains and our struggles. Yes, even with the Lord. Because in that struggle and in that being honest and being transparent. Because intimacy has to do with transparency. It's in that place that I keep that relationship strong and vital in my life. Most intimate, most the most intimate of marriages are not that they have a good sex life, but they have a good way of dealing with the hard stuff and working through it and processing through it because sometimes the most intimate place is dealing with the hardest things. There were times in the course of our marriage when we would be going through a problem maybe with our children or maybe among ourselves, which would never be Julie's issue, is always my issue. But uh, there would be times we would be dealing with problems and Julie would want to talk about it. And I would utter in like, I would, this happened, I don't think I do this anymore, I hope I don't. Don't call me out though. Uh, <laughs> she would say she would be talking about it and then I would just say I don't want to talk about it and you know what we didn't and that harmed the intimacy that shut the door 
because you got to walk through the hard stuff and you got to be willing to be transparent and honest and there's where you learn the heart and there's where you learn your own heart amen and it's the same with the lord in fact i just want to remind us even the men in the room we're all the bride of christ and we need to talk to our bridegroom and sometimes we don't like where we're at right now but we need to go there we need to let him know how we really feel that's what hannah did and you know what God was doing in Hannah? God, he could have given her six nameless children like her counterpart. But he ended up giving her the greatest prophet Israel ever saw. And sometimes God is doing something deeper in us than what we can see. And uh, he could settle for less, but he doesn't want you to. But you got to be real. So keeping the door of intimacy open is, I think, telling God how you really feel. I think David would say something like this. If you want to be intimate with God, when you face a battle, make God's presence your number one priority. It's interesting to me today that we sang a, a, a couple of songs that dealt with the presence of God today. David was a man of war. David would often come under attack. He would often, as a king, lead his nation into battle. And so he was constantly in a state of war, if you could say it this way, spiritual warfare. And so are you and I. We're always in the battle. And sometimes we're, the, we're being hunted, and we're in the crosshairs of the enemy. And warfare is ugly, and it's never fun, and it takes way longer, and no one wants to do it. No one wants to pay the price to do it. No one wants to endure the length of it. And, but, but you know what? I just, let me just encourage you. You're in a battle and you're not getting out. Amen. You're in spiritual warfare and the battle rages on. And there are times when there's a <laughs> kind of like a, a season where it seems to die down. But never you mind, it'll be back. But when the battle, when you're in warfare, when you come under attack, when you're facing the enemy, make sure that the presence of God is your number one priority. David said in Psalms 24, 27, verses 4 and 5, he said, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. This is the same psalm that starts out, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though an army encamp against me, I will not be afraid. Why? Because he said one thing. Everybody say one thing. He said one thing, the most important thing, the priority of my life is to get to the presence of God. Because I know that when I'm in his pavilion, when I'm sheltered in his presence and beholding his beauty and inquiring in his temple, when I'm in trouble, I'm hidden in him. 
and covered in him. This is intimacy. This is what it means when you're in the middle of a warfare, when you're in the middle of a battle. Intimacy is making God's presence your priority. That's what it is. So get to the Lord. Sing praises. Worship him. Stop everything and just thank the Lord and praise the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord. I'm under attack. People are attacking me. People are coming against me. All hell is out to get me. Join the club and praise the Lord. Amen. Worship him. Sing his praises. Focus on his goodness. Amen. I love the story of Paul and Silas and in Acts chapter 16. You talk about spiritual warfare. They were under attack spiritually and physically thrown into the deepest part of the dungeon. And the Bible said in the midnight hour, in that place that was the most darkest, they were singing praises to God. They were beholding the beauty of the Lord. And in the dungeon and in the prison and in the pain, he was hiding them in his pavilion. Amen. So I think David would say, when you're in the face of a battle, again, don't set God off to the back. Don't run away from the place of worship. Run to it. Get to that place and meet with God. Let's move into the New Testament. To keep the door of intimacy open, I think Martha would say, don't get so busy with life that you miss your moment with Jesus. We all know the story of Mary and Martha. And we love to, poor Martha, she gets such a, you know, a kick in the pants. I mean, but we, we often look at this story and we think, Martha, we, what we're seeing is personality at play here. We're seeing a, a worker, a task-oriented person, and a lazy worshiper. No. <laughs> you know, we have our Christianese way of approaching this whole thing about Mary and Martha. And, uh, but I will say this, you know, Jesus, Jesus did kind of correct Martha. He said, if you remember, Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. No. He said, he said, Martha, Martha, you are so worried about getting things done. And then he said, but Mary, she's chosen the better thing. Where was Mary? At the feet of Jesus, hearing his word, letting the presence of the Lord impact her heart. While Martha was busy preparing and working and serving for the Lord, Mary was over here in this moment. She, she understood the moment she had with Jesus. And in a roundabout way, what Jesus was doing with Martha was he was basically saying, your worrisome-filled work is a choice you've made. Whereas Mary has chosen the better at this time. And I think 
That's a lesson to all of us. And yes, to those of us who are prone to be Martha's. Don't miss your moment to stop everything. And to get to Jesus. Don't miss it. Because this is what intimacy is made of. When there comes those moments, those divine moments where Jesus is calling you to himself, the Lord is working something in you, the Lord is doing something in you, stop everything. Turn off the burners and just go be with Jesus. That's intimacy. Sometimes you just got to say, I don't need to get that done right now. I can do that later. I'm not going to choose worry. I'm going to choose waiting in the presence of God. That's intimacy. That's what it looks like. And I think Martha would probably say something like that. If I had that to do all over again, I'd go be right where Mary was at. Not that what I was doing was unimportant, but you know, our activity for God can oftentimes get in the way of just being with God. And we don't want to replace that. And there comes a time to work. Amen. I'm a, I, I believe that. Amen. But there also just comes a time just to wait in his presence. And it'll be okay. If it doesn't get done right now, don't stress it. Amen. It's okay. Turn to somebody and tell them, you can be lazy once. Go ahead and tell them that. So intimacy, intimacy literally has a lot to do with not missing the moment, taking advantage of the opportunity when Jesus shows up. So there's one final, uh, this is a little group, Peter, James, and John would say, if you want to open the door of intimacy, when Jesus calls you to go deeper or stay longer, just do it. Just go for it. Peter, James, and John. Jesus loved and fed and healed and taught the multitudes, right? Then he had 70 disciples that he trained and equipped and sent out and he empowered them to do great things. He had 12 disciples that got to walk with him basically everywhere and kind of be involved in doing what he was doing. And then he had these three. And we call them the inner circle. That's what we call them. And Jesus would oftentimes bring Peter, James, and John to a, a deeper place. To go a little further with him. We see this a few times in the scripture. And it's interesting to note that of the 12 disciples of Jesus, that only Peter, James, and John are actually mentioned in the book of Acts. There's a reference to Jesus' disciples. But the only ones mentioned after Jesus ascends into heaven by name are Peter, James, and John. So what's going on here? What's going on? Is this Jesus playing favorites? Or is this some sort of leadership development strategy 
It's going to be me, and then it's going to be Peter, and it's going to be James and John, and you know, it's just, it, you know, and it could, it could be those things. But as I was thinking about it and kind of going over it in my mind, I don't think that this is an issue of favoritism. I don't think that this is what's going on at all. You know, some people think this about intimacy. Intimacy is for a certain class of people. Like, you may be sitting out there listening to me today thinking, this is for preachers and pastors and people that are super-duper spiritual. This isn't for me. No. What did God say through Jeremiah? They all shall know me. I don't think this was the Lord playing favorites. I'm not even sure it was had to do with leadership only. Because Peter, James, and John, if you read the record, they are not perfect. They are far from it, right? Come on, that should do us all a, an encouragement right there. Peter, James, and John were a little bit off their rocker occasionally. But what was going on? I think that this, is, could, this could be a message of the Lord for all of us. Not everybody wants to go a little further and a little deeper. But will you, when I ask you, when I bring you, when I call you, will you come there with me? Will you go there with me? Will you be willing to walk away from what everybody else is doing and go a little further and stay a little longer? Peter, James, and John did. And they're cited the book of Acts. In other words, their intimacy with Jesus, their willingness to step up to their destiny was their intimacy with the Lord. That they were willing to go there. And some of us are not willing to go there. And we wonder why we're not there. And there's only one reason. Listen, I want to say it like this. I heard John Bevere say this once. He said, relationship with God and intimacy with God all depends on you. You've got to open the door. If you want to go there, you can go there. But if you don't want to go there, if you don't want to go a little further, and stay a little longer, go a little deeper, then you won't. And Jesus will ever be on the outside and you just kind of keep hearing this knock and wonder why you can't sleep at night. Wonder why you're so agitated. It could be because Jesus is knocking on your door. And he wants more than what you want. But I love this about the Lord. This is one of those places, who's going to play the piano? There she comes. Um, when I was thinking about this, you remember that time after Jesus' resurrection? The disciples were in the upper room, and the Bible says the door was shut and locked. And then Jesus just pops in the room without opening the door. I thought to myself, okay, this message, I'm talking about opening the door now, but what about that? 
Well, they were afraid for sure, but they, their door wasn't closed to Jesus, but they, they were afraid, so Jesus just came right in, and he comforted them, and he encouraged them. But when it comes to relationship, Jesus is not going to huff and puff and blow your door down. If you want it, he wants it. He already wants it. He just wants you to want him. And so where are you willing to go today? Because the Lord is in this place to go deeper with you. Let's all stand together. Can I have the prayer intercessors come forward, if you would, at this time? And prepare to pray. I was thinking, I couldn't find the scripture, but in worship today I was thinking about there's a scripture, a verse of scripture in the Bible that says that the presence of God was present, or the power of God was present to heal. The power of God was present to heal. I can't, I don't, I couldn't find it, but I know it's in the Bible. And uh, I just had this sense today that God's presence is here in power, to heal, to heal maybe our own heart, our own inability to be intimate, or to heal our bodies, to heal our minds. And I just want to encourage you today, if you need a healing touch in, in whatever way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, the Lord is here, I believe, the power of God is present to heal you today. And I want to invite you to come. And I know we have a couple of different couples up here to pray. If there's more that are needed, I'm, I'm available to pray. And we can pray for you. Let me just pray God's blessing on us. God, we thank you for this word today. Jesus, we thank you that you stand at the door of our hearts and knock. Because you want way more for us than we could even imagine. And Lord, I, I just pray that we will go there. I pray, God, that we will go there. Lord, this to me is one of the most important keys to our life with you. Is a depth of intimacy and relationship with you, God. That doesn't necessarily uh, keep us from problems, but can insulate us through them. Like David said, when I'm in your presence, I'm hid in your pavilion. And we love that about you, Lord. I pray that you draw us all deeper to yourself. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen.